welcome to all of you from your centers. Today we will learn about the teaching from the Buddha on what is the highest blessings of one's life. We shall continue to talk about the Buddha's teaching that to live in a suitable country is the highest blessing of one's life. So what is a suitable country that is considered the highest blessing? Consider that when there is thriving businesses and markets, then this will make the economy and trade prosper and flourish. The country that is prosperous in terms of the true Dhamma, this makes the lives of the people living there flourish in terms of the world and in the Dhamma. The country or place that we live in will have great importance to us. So let us learn more on what is a suitable country. Usually people say a suitable country is one that is prosperous, wealthy in terms of food, strong economy, has laws, a high standard of living, abundant natural resources, many conveniences, beautiful sceneries, well-planned city, clean, good transport facilities, department stores, hospitals, schools. Basically, it has everything that we want. So is this suitable or not? But the meaning of a suitable country in the Mangala Sutta are countries that allow one to gain the three types of wealth, that is one, human wealth, two, heavenly wealth, and three, the wealth of Nibbana. This is a suitable country according to the teachings of the Buddha. The Buddha taught about what is considered suitable and what is not considered suitable in terms of the practice of Dhamma and for his monks and novices. We can summarize it like this. A place that we live in or the people that we live together with where in us mindfulness that hasn't arisen doesn't arise. Where the mind isn't concentrated, it doesn't gain concentration. Where we haven't cut off the mental defilements and they don't get cut off. And where we haven't seen the Dhamma, we can't attain to Dhamma. Then this is a place we shouldn't stay in or these are people that we shouldn't be with. Whether this place has all the four basic requisites of clothing, food, shelter and medicines or if they're hard to find, we still shouldn't stay in that place or shouldn't be with that type of person. Otherwise we'll lose out. But the place that we stay in or the person that we stay with, where in us, the mindfulness that hasn't arisen arises, where the mind isn't concentrated gains concentration, where the mental defilements haven't been cut off, they are cut off, and where we haven't attained to Dhamma, we can attain to Dhamma, then this is a place that is suitable to live in and a suitable person to stay with. And this is regardless of whether the four basic requisites are plentiful or they are scarce. The Buddha also taught of the suitable places that monks and novices should consider their whole monastic lives. That is, one, a place where monks can shave their heads, put on their robes and ordain as monks. And higher than this is two, is where one can know clearly according to truth that this is dukkha, suffering. This is the cause of dukkha. This is the cessation of dukkha and this is the path to the end of dukkha. And three, whichever place at one stays, they will have skillfulness and goodness arise and have only progress and the unskillfulness reduces. 
then these are appropriate and suitable places where monks should stay, whether permanent or even just temporarily. So how about the suitable country that gives rise to human wealth, heavenly wealth, and the wealth of Nibbana? They are in India, or what's called the Rose Apple Continent, which in the present also includes the places that have faith in the Buddha's teachings as well. Or we could say a suitable country is where there is the Buddha, where the great disciples were born, or wherever the noble disciples arose, as in where they saw the Dhamma. In the present-day Thailand, in every province, the northern province, northeast, central and south, I know that they're all provinces that have or have had great distinguished monks that are considered arahants or bodhisattvas. This is a country that is appropriate and is a highest blessing if we live in that country. In the northern province, there was the bodhisattvas, Kruba Sirichai, Kruba Jayawong, and also many arahant monks, Lumpo Sim, Lumpo Wan, Kruba Brahmachak, Kruba Intachak, and many other. Lumpo Kamsan, from Wat Non Meung, Lumpo Kamsan, Prat Sondok. In the northeast of Thailand, there is the founder of the Thai forest tradition, Lumpo Man and our great teacher, Venerable Ajahn Chah, and many other Arahants. In central Thailand, there was Chaukun Nawarat in the past, many distinguished monks in the south of Thailand as well. These are just a few examples. So in Thailand, this is a country that is suitable or appropriate. In Sri Lanka, there should be two, but I don't really know that well. And we are all born in a country that is appropriate and suitable according to what the Buddha taught. And sometimes we can go to a country that is considered suitable, such as India. We go pay homage at the Mahabodhi tree where the Buddha was enlightened, or to the other holy places where the Buddha was born, he gave the first sermon, and passed away into Parinibbana. We go and we gain rapture and joy. And this is human wealth and heavenly wealth arising within us. We may see it like we're going back to bow to the real Buddha at each of the pilgrimage sites. We have feelings of rapture, joy, inner happiness. This is a place that is considered suitable. Even if we just go back at times, this is all goodness that arises within us. Or we can stay in a country that we can see monks, bhikkhunis, male and female followers of the Buddha, and we have joy, happiness and contentment doing meritorious deeds and developing goodness in an easy way. So we would include Asia in this rose apple continent as a suitable and appropriate locality. We have already been born into this country, which means that we have merit that we have done in the past. But even there are some living in America England, Europe, who have faith in Buddhism these days. That is because of the senior monks that have spread the teachings of the Buddha to those places. This has made the people in that country able to meet with the Buddha's teachings, and this has led to monasteries and Buddhist centers to arise. This is considered as a start to having suitability and appropriateness in that country the start to having auspiciousness in that country. 
it gradually makes that country become a suitable country. And this has been also due to the emigrating of Thais overseas, for example to Australia. Or those that live far from Asia, whether monks or lay people, having the wisdom to know that Thailand is the foundation of Buddhism in the present, and they come to Thailand to learn and then go back with knowledge and skills to spread the Buddha's teaching when they go back to their home country. Here they have wisdom that is important and is a blessing in their life. That is, they have the mindfulness and wisdom to search for Dhamma. Just like Venerable Sariputta, the chief disciple of the Buddha, that even though he lived in the rose apple continent during the Buddha's time, but he had to search for an Arahant monk along with his friend, Venerable Mahamogalana. They searched in the rose apple continent, but they couldn't find any. But one day, Venerable Sariputta, who had mindfulness and wisdom, saw Venerable Asaji Tera, who conducted himself beautifully. He could see that Venerable Asaji's face was radiant and bright like the full moon. He knew that this renunciant must have Dhamma in his heart. So Venerable Sariputta asked on the Dhamma and was able to attain to Sodopana or stream entry. Then Venerable Sariputta took this teaching and went to tell his friend Venerable Mahamokalana and he too attained to Sotapanna. This is from Venerable Sariputta, who had mindfulness and wisdom, that he could know that the renunciant must have some noble attainments in the Dhamma. So even though he lived in a suitable country, he still had to go to search for it. We may have heard often that people who live in Thailand or other countries, some don't yet go to monasteries to practice Dhamma. They haven't met with noble and well-practiced disciples of the Buddha. Maybe they have no faith, or it just isn't their time yet. In some families, the wife has faith, but the husband doesn't. Or in other families, the husband has faith, but the wife doesn't. There are many cases of this. But later on, they may have the chance to listen and to learn on the Dhamma, and their faith grows more and more. This is quite common in Thailand even living in Thailand or a place with many Arahants. But we don't know which monk is an Arahant or not. We don't know. So an appropriate country or locality must have suitable conditions. For monks, it should be a place not too far from the village. In the day, it isn't too busy with people and duties. At night, it is peaceful. It doesn't have too strong heat or wind, not too many ticks and mosquitoes. Have enough of the four basic requisites. They aren't too difficult to come by. There is a senior monk with wide knowledge that can teach Dhamma. The suitable place for lay people is a place that is safe from dangers and wars, that is far from the paths leading to the lower realms. One is able to build merit and goodness. It is easy to go to the monastery. It's easy to listen to Dhamma. It's not difficult to meditate. In this present day, most have access to this. It isn't a problem. But the place should still be where there is a good environment, good weather, shade from trees. These external factors are important because if one gets too many sicknesses, it's difficult to practice. For example, a place with lots of malaria, or too much direct sun, or too cold, then the practice of Dhamma becomes difficult or if the four basic requisites are too scarce. But the amount that is too scarce 
is different for each person. When I practiced in Wat Nong Pa Pong in the northeast of Thailand back then, the food was just enough. It wasn't plentiful, but we didn't go without. Venerable Ajahn Chah taught us to have just the right amount, not too much. For example, these days we may get one sugar banana and see this type of banana and we don't want to eat it. We want the better type of banana. But in Wat Nong Pa Pong, 40 years ago, a sugar banana would have been split up into four portions to be shared. But even before my time there, about 50 years ago, more than just splitting the banana into four portions, but the senior monks said back then they even had to eat the banana peel because they just didn't have much food to eat at all. They just had some sticky rice. When I was a young monk in Wat Nong Pong, I took up the practice of only eating what I got from arms round. Being a junior monk, I would be at the back of the arms line. And so some days would just have only sticky rice and a portion of bean curry. And on some days, just one banana. Some of the arms roots wouldn't have much food. Only some of the arms roots had a lot of food. But most roots had very little arms food. The monastery had to rely on the kitchen to make food every day. We were supported by the Mechis who made the food and that still wasn't that much. On some days, there was only a little bit of food in the kitchen. One time, Venerable Ajahn Chah saw the amount of food offered and asked me, Anan, is the food just this much? That day, Ajahn Chah ate very little. My eyes became very watery. He said to give it to all the monks. It was given to all the monks, and Ajahn Chah just ate just a little. Seeing Ajahn Chah like that, I couldn't really eat that day. He had the thought that the food wouldn't be enough for all his children, all the 60 monks sitting there. Many were new monks, so their endurance was little. Ajahn Chah just took only a little bit of food. I was so moved, I couldn't eat. Can you see that although the food may have been scarce, but we could learn Dhamma in that place? We had a great Kruba Ajahn teaching us Dhamma which could overcome the doubts in our hearts. Though there were just few basic requisites, but it was an appropriate place for Dhamma practice. And we may have heard of Lumpo Chop, a great disciple of Lumpo Man, who stayed at the top of a mountain in the north of Thailand. Some monks followed him to stay there. The food was really scarce, and it was food from the mountain people, which would be difficult to eat and hard to stomach. Some monks got diarrhea, and one for even a whole year, because of getting a stomach infection. But those senior monks stayed and learned with Lumpu Chop, because he would lead them in meditation and Dhamma practice. The level of their minds were able to grow higher and higher. They could gain samadhi, gain jhana, gain the paths and fruits of nibbana. So scarcity is not that important. Back then, staying in Wonokbapong, it wasn't an evening drink every day. It would be just once every 15 days. Just one cup of cocoa. Then it would be all finished. Just one round. It would get to me just once. No second serving. Because it went through the senior monks first. Sometimes they would give it out from the last monk upwards but usually just have one cup each. 
in 15 days just once having an evening drink. This is just an example. But for monks, wherever we practice and we grow in Dhamma, then that is an auspicious place. We should understand this. So in saying, where is a suitable place, we can see from the things I've explained in this talk. All of you are born into this life and most are living in Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, where the Buddha's teachings are very accessible. So you can be considered to have merit and spiritual accumulations. Pupe kata punyata, merit that we have done and made in the past. We live in a suitable country that is appropriate to make us progress in terms of the world and in the Dhamma. We can be prosperous in this way. And all of you have the chance to practice Dhamma and to meditate and to bow to the Buddha in India at the holy sites where the Buddha was born, attained enlightenment, gave the first sermon and passed away into Parinibbana. And you gain rapture, joy and happiness. We may go to other countries and might not even remember anything. But we go to these suitable countries of great importance and we can remember. It is strong in our minds and we never forget it. This is human wealth and heavenly wealth. It is merit and is the cause for us to grow in merit and goodness. It grows until it becomes the wealth of Nibbana in one future life. And so being born in a suitable country and having the opportunity to learn and practice Dhamma is due to us having done some great merit in the past. So this is the second part of the talk on the topic that the Buddha taught that being born in a suitable country is the highest blessing of our life. May you all grow in blessings and Dhamma.